Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Welcome in, and there's another edition of Curd and Long. Steve Sparky Fiverr with you, 1250 AM, The Fan in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Check out all the interviews I do throughout the course of the week over at 1250 AM, Lots and lots of draft coverage uh, here in the last week between the Curd and Long podcast. We had Ian Cummings on on Friday uh, from Pro Football Network. The website I'm addicted to doing a million mock drafts every day. I do one before bed every night like a child, but that's what I do. Uh, being joined today by another big draft guy who is our our draft expert uh, back in the day on the Wendy's big show. He would come on and break down all the different players and all that fun stuff. I follow him. I Jacob Morley of the Packer report. And of course, catch him on the pack a day podcast as well as Ryan Horvath has uh, the day off. Jacob, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Dude, thanks for having me. And draft season is upon us. Like we're, yeah. we're there, man. It's, we got combine coming up. All these numbers going to be rolling in. Um, I know you're like me and you just Love talked it. about it, you know, like a kid in a candy store. Every year, so much fun. All right, so if you don't know who Jacob Morley is, he was on the Christian Watson train before Christian Watson was on the Christian Watson train at Green Bay. Uh, he was all over it uh, and called that called his shot. Then now, let's talk about uh, this thing that you tweeted out. You said you have uh, the quote. It's called quote my guys end quote is what it's called every year. You guys do this, so explain what it is, how it works, and then who are your guys uh, last year. Yeah, it's it's just kind of like a fun thing for it's it's really more for like us, you know, the guys that yeah. put in all this work and um, you know, so guys like me, you know, Jacob Weston or Ross Uglum, um, we put all this work into this Packers draft guide. And every year we pick seven guys. Uh, you know, we watch now 300 plus guys and seven guys that you're just like, man, I I really like this guy. Like maybe I, I like him maybe more than other people like him. And it's not always like a top five pick is sometimes it's uh like it's a, a fullback from North Dakota state. Hunter Lipke was one for me. I was like, I just really like him. I think he's going to be a good football player for a long time in this league. Um, so it's kind of just your way to put a stamp on a guy um, and you can kind of look back on it and either look stupid or you look smart, you know, sure. which is kind of like the whole process, how this thing works. Everybody calls it a crapshoot, the NFL draft. They it call is. the NBA yep. draft, to a degree, a crapshoot. Major League Baseball, even a more of a crapshoot because you're talking about high school kids having to get through four or five years of minor league ball before they get to the major leagues to see if that actually pans out and trying to avoid injury. See, and I always say that is not necessarily true because there are certain personnel guys that are just a lot better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, one of those guys is John Dorsey. Uh, and somebody posted a video of, uh, Dorsey and the Chiefs getting ripped when they drafted Patrick Mahomes for taking Mahomes and yada, yada, yada. Uh, the Tyreek Hill pick, people were ripping him for that because of Hill's off-the-field issues or whatever the case may be. Um, Dorsey obviously did great things in Green Bay. Now he's in Detroit as personnel director over there, um, drafting Iowa guys like he did in Green Bay uh, and making things work there. So there are certain guys that just know it better than others. But to me, there is more skill then like when people like to say it's a crapshoot, and I think Jacob Marley is one of those guys got some skills that go along with it. All right, so Jacob, who were your guys last year, and how did we do? I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I, I write for I write wide receivers for the draft guy. Like that's my main one that I focus on typically. So the last two years, um, the last two years really, I feel really good about all my guys. Um, I can go back two two years ago. My three my guys. I try to keep it at three wide okay. receivers per year. Uh, so two years ago, my three my guys were Christian Watson, Chris Olave, and George Pickens, um, and they've all been you know varying degrees of success in the NFL. 
Uh, this last year, I kind of I kind of branched out a little bit more because, you know, Christian Watson, Olave, and Pickens were all top 100 types. Like, they're all – a lot of people like them. Uh, but this last year, uh, Rasheed Rice was someone that I really liked out of SMU. I, I labeled him a tier one Packer. I uh, thought they would – I thought Green Bay would be very interested in him. They took Jaden Reed instead of him. Um, and I think both teams are thrilled with the player that they got. But yep. Rasheed Rice was one of my my, my guys – um, another my guy was Jackson Smith and Jigba. I uh, ended up in Seattle. That was someone that I really, really was hoping Green Bay would take at 13. They did not. They took Van Ness. And honestly, it looks like they were correct in that because um, uh, Smith and Jigba had a fine rookie year. He was fine. You know, not anything that I think you're uh, doing backflips over, but good. And then uh, my third my guy at the wide receiver position was Dontavian Wicks, uh, someone out of Virginia last year. and. It was, you know, it was towards the end of last season when you really kind of start. And by last season, I mean the 2022 season. Uh, when I'm in the DMs talking to other guys, I'm like, hey, you need to watch Dontavia Wicks. Like, this guy is a Packer. And just the way he moves, the way he's built, the way he plays uh, inside, outside, he'll block. He can, you know, he's uh, you know, the yards after catch ability, all that. Like, it is all right there. It is someone that just screams Green Bay Packer. Um, made me look smart because they took him. And not only did they take him, he had a really good rookie year. Um, so that was an exciting one. And then I kind of venture out from the wide receivers as well. A um, couple guys, I'm a North Dakota State guy, so you can call me biased if you want, and that's fine. Uh, but I tend to always have an NDSU guy on my my guys list. Spoiler alert, there will not be one this year. <laughs> I, had, I, had two, I had two on last year's, and one of them was the aforementioned uh, Hunter Lipke, the fullback. Um, he did make the Dallas Cowboys team uh, and, you know, played a lot of football for them. And the other guy was Cody Mock. The guard went to Tampa Bay. Uh, he was fine. Uh, he was all right. Uh, Jair Brown was another one. The safety out of Penn State just had an interception in the Super Bowl. And then my last my guy was another Packer, and that was Anthony Johnson Jr. out of Iowa State. Uh, obviously someone that is going to, if the season started tomorrow for Green Bay, uh, like it or not, he'd probably be starting at safety yeah. if nothing changes. Um, we'll see what happens with that. I like the kid. Um, I still like the kid, and I think he can be a starting caliber safety in this league. I think he showed flashes of that last year, his rookie season. Um, but there's a lot of football ahead of him and a, a lot to unfold, so we'll see. Did you see the video uh, going around? I think it was today of last night or yesterday of last night, something, uh, where it was Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks running around without their shirts on um, yep. and working out together and that whole deal for me. And I know how you look at this, but I, you know, I'm a fan. So when I see stuff like that, I get excited, right? Uh, I get excited because you've got teammates. that obviously get along well enough to go work out together in the off season. That's just bonding. That's chemistry. That's getting down with each other. You know, Jordan love at some point here is going to have his guys out working out with him again. That's bonding. That's chemistry. That's getting along together. I think all of that stuff is good. If everybody has that one or two dudes on the team that they're working out with, with that goal of trying to win a Super Bowl together and, and wanting more than what they have this year, especially these young dudes, and I just say, man, I'm set. I just proved I can play in this league. I don't need to do all this extra crap. I'll just go when they got, tell me to go, and I'm good to go. This is something else I think that is important to the draft process of trying to find out who really wants it and who is, well, I, I like football. I don't know if I love football. I don't know if I really want to do it like that, but I'm 
I'm blessed with it. God gave me some special talent, so I do it because of that. I see that all the time. And I have over the years in the NBA, guys that wanted to be soccer players. And they're like, too tall, but I do this okay, so I do this. Do I love it? No. I love soccer. This is all right. It pays the bills. Get a lot of that in the NBA. In the NFL, I don't know if you get that as much, but you have to figure out who wants it and who doesn't. And sometimes it backfires if you're wrong um, and you think somebody wants it, gets paid, and all of a sudden, nope. They didn't want it after all. They just wanted the paycheck. That's another tricky part, I think, of this draft process of finding those guys that want it, Jake. It is, and that's the part that we don't get. You know, like I, you know, I've got guys that go to the East West Shrine game, and you know, will send me, you know, hey, this, and I've heard it about this class already. There's guys in this class that people are like ah, like I'll tweet about someone, and someone will come come on, and be like, hey, we talked to this guy at the Shrine game or the Senior Bowl. I don't think he likes ball. You know, I think it's kind of like what you mentioned. Yep. Like, uh, I won't say I won't name names because I don't think that's fair to the players. But, right. uh, you know, there's one guy that I was talking about already this this year, and someone reached out to me. He's like, mm, I, I talked to him at the Shrine game. It, I don't think he really likes football. I think it's just he's good at it. Yep. And uh, I was like, What do you mean? And they're like, Well, we were talking about like the physical nature of the game, and he almost sounded like depressed that he has to do that. <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh man. That's tough. You know, that's that's a tough thing to hear from uh, from a guy that you're expecting to come be playing a physical game. Right. Uh, but like Jaden Reed is is a great example of mi- a, a miss. I would I would categorize him as a miss for me because he's someone last year. I can go back and look at the conversations I had with people I'm like I like him. I, I think he's a good player. I think he'll be a good fourth or fifth round player. I think he's a good slot that can you know, has some good vertical ability. I think he's good at the catch point, all this stuff. But I think if you get to sit down with Jaden Reed and just from watching him his rookie year and just the great quotes that he had, like the quote after the Atlanta game that they blew, and he said something like, we're not going to let this break us. We're going to let this make us. And you hear a guy talk like that, and you're just like, okay, I get it. I get why they wanted this guy in the top 50 because you're pairing now all that ability with that dog mentality that I think him and Wicks both have. I think they both proved that this, you know, their rookie year. So you just never really know uh, when you just w- turn the tape on. And that's also why you miss on some guys too, where, you know, you can be a 6'5", 230 pound wide receiver that runs a four two five and had a bunch of production in college. But when you get to the NFL level, there are guys that are going to make you make you decide do you like this or not because it's hard you know it's not easy anymore and there's guys that are physically as gifted as you that are psychopaths like i don't i don't know how else to describe some of these guys other than psychopaths and i think and i mean that in a in like a in a good way and i think jane reed is a psychopath i think he's a competitive psychopath and those are the guys i want on my team because not to get too far off subject, Sparky, but we just watched maybe the biggest psychopath on the planet, number 15 for the Kansas City Chiefs, just drag his team to a Super Bowl win. Like that guy, there's something different. There's something, there are screws loose in his head. And I don't think normal human <laughs> beings can get to the, I mean, I mean, for real, like can, normal human beings cannot get to that level of competitiveness where it's like, it legit is. San Francisco over my dead body, you're winning this game. And he means it. I mean, you go back to, and I hate to say this because I'm talking about someone that I, gosh, I'm jealous that he's not the quarterback for the Packers, but like, look at Mike, Michael Jordan, the same guy 
that wouldn't let his own kids win in games of Monopoly at home because he was too competitive. Like, I bet Mahomes has got some of that in him. Uh, and at the same time, bringing it back, you don't know that. You just even if you can sit down with someone and talk to them, you really don't know that until you know you're between the lines on Sunday. It's two minutes left in the game. You know, you know, back to Jaden Reed. You know, are you going to give him you know a quick you know what a slant in the middle of the field? Is he going to make three guys miss and drag a defender into the end zone against Minnesota? Like that's the psychopath stuff that I want on my team. So I don't know how you measure that throughout this process, uh, but it seems like the Packers are pretty good at identifying those guys. You use the word psychopath. I would use the word addicted. Something mm -hmm. that's addicted to the sport that just cannot get enough. They would call him a gym rat uh, in basketball, right? Somebody that just can't get enough, that just lives, breathes, and eats the sport and wants to get bigger, wants to get faster, and wants to get stronger so they're better on Sundays. Something that's just in the playbook. And you go back to Jaden Reed. <clears throat> There's a lot of leadership to that dude uh, as well. Uh, him, you know, later in the season, forgot what game it was. Um, they asked him about what the difference was. And he said, simple. In the beginning of the season, I was kind of going half speed because I wasn't sure which way I was supposed to go on a different route combination or whatever. I was just kind of guessing what I was supposed to do. Now I know where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do, and I'm running and I'm playing fast. And that's the difference. Now we're all kind of playing fast and we know the playbook. Then the other part of this with Jaden Reed is these wide receivers having their little study sessions in the locker room after games and kind of going over stuff um, and then coming in and working with Jordan Love on Tuesdays or whatever the case was uh, and getting ready on their what should have been kind of like their off day. They're working to get ready for the next week. Now, will this continue the longer they play in the NFL? Probably not. Uh, but last year it happened, and I think this year it would be good for it to happen. And then you look at it from this perspective of, listen, these are a bunch of young, hungry dudes. And if they all have that same heart of a love of a Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, and these guys, I mean, sky really is the limit for these guys because now they know the offense. There'll be some changes, right? Because obviously Matt LaFleur did not realize how good Tucker Craft was. Had no idea whatsoever how good he was. Now he can write him in to what this playbook is going to look like. Him and Musgrave, double tight end sets, both running routes and doing different things. So it's going to look a little bit different next year. But that year of experience and then the success at the end, Jacob, you just cannot put a price on how much that accelerated, how good these guys can be and how soon they can get there. Right. And that was the conversation all year with this young offense. Like I was very much in the camp of, I wish they would have brought in a veteran receiver. And at about before Halloween, I look smart. I look right. You know, like, God, oh, they should have brought a veteran in because these young guys, I I, I thought the young receiver group was uh, limiting Love's progress because you go back and watch even now, and I, I have, and just even the way the way, even the way Love throws the ball to second half of the year, I mean, he's just ripping it. And the first half of the year, it's a lot, it's just, it's tentative. It's, the release is not as fast. It's slower. And it's he's aiming and it, you just see this stuff and you're like, is that love or is that the young receivers? And I think the answer was the young receivers, because after that, it, I mean, really, it was it was before the Lions game, but really the Lions game when they exploded. Right. And then it was just, man, they were they were money and they weren't perfect down the stretch. Either. They still made plenty of mistakes, but uh, they got on the same page. 
And it seemed like it just was a different guy every week that was able to step up. And, you know, credit to to Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach too, but he had those guys ready and he got them ready. And I think when you look at this team and you look at the future of this team, you know, love is the future of this team, no doubt. But this team is going to go as far as these young wide receivers take them. And I think that's going to be the catalyst for this team moving forward is what what is the, the what is the ceiling for this young group? Because you mentioned it already, like right now, and it could change when you know when contracts start coming into play and who gets paid and stuff like that. Yeah, like sure, that could change. We're probably still two seasons away from that. And you go look at these guys, man, they love they love to celebrate each other's success. You know, Jaden Reed's running into the end zone, trail 20 yards from, you know, by Christian Watson with his hands in the air because he's thrilled that they they scored, you know, and he didn't. It appears that none of them care who it is right now, as long as they're being productive. And again, once they start having to pay these guys, you know, that can all change because, hey, well, I'm not catching my 10 passes a game and I want a new contract, you know, like that stuff can all come into play. But as of right now, you, you nailed it like these guys. You know, you follow all of them on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and they're, you know, they're always reposting each other's stuff. They're always commenting on each other's stuff. Uh, the vibe in that locker room from anyone I've talked to this year that was either around it or in the locker room was, in their own words, very different. You know, and and you can you can go down whatever path you want to with that. Um, but this was a young team, a young, hungry team, like you talked about. Uh, there was not a lot of veteran established guys on this team that didn't have a reason, didn't have a reason to give up when you're three and six or whatever it is. And I think that could be more of a veteran thing to be kind of got to pack it in. We'll try again next year. Like these young guys were, for lack of a better term, they're too dumb. They didn't know. They didn't know any better. Like, ah, oh, we're three and six, whatever. We'll just win six of the last eight or whatever it was. And they did. And so that's the expectation for this team moving forward. Um, and like I said, I think, you know, they're deep in a lot of positions. They got their quarterback. I think their offensive line is better than what people give it credit for. Um, but this group is going to be propelled by the young pass catchers. I want to talk more about the young pass catchers and who do we take a sh- this year it's on this team next year don't draft wide receivers don't sign free agent wide receivers we're running the exact same group back again i don't know if jacob morley shares the same sentiment uh, of this or not we'll take a quick time out come back and we'll hear from jacob morley who does he sharpie into that wide receiver room going into next year that's next year on curtain law Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM, The Fan. Check out all the interviews I do over there at 1250 AM, The Fan. Being joined in place of Ryan Horvath of BetMGM tonight by Jacob Morley, of course, a Packer reporter, writer, as well as a Pack-A-Day podcast podcaster. Is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, at Jacob Morley on Twitter. Uh, and talking about this Packers wide receiving core uh, and whether or not you can sharpie all of them in, are they all coming back? As Goody gets to say, to hell with it. I'm bringing everybody back. I'm not going to worry about adding pieces. We're just going to bring everybody back. And if that's not the case, then who gets left out? Who doesn't have a job necessarily guaranteed here? All right, Jacob Morley, your turn. What do we got? 
That's tough. That's the question of the offseason, right? Like, they don't need a wide receiver. Okay. <laughs> like, does Goody operate underneath those rules? I don't really think he does. You know, they 2019, they signed the Smith brothers, give them a lot of money, and draft with at the time was like the highest draft pick they had in like a decade. They draft an edge and Rashawn Gary. So I don't know. I, you know, like my buddy Ross Uglin will talk about the, the Melton Heath line. And that's kind of, I kind of buy into that where it's like, all right, if you're going to take one, you better be dang sure they're better than those guys. And when you talk about Heath and Melton, both really nice young players, like a lot to like when you, when you look at them, a lot of teams would love to have Bo Melton and Malik Heath on their team as their fifth and sixth wide receiver. But you know, it's pick 25. Brian Thomas Jr. hasn't gone off the board yet for some reason. And if you're not familiar with Brian Thomas Jr., just from the kid from LSU, think you know Christian Watson. That's kind of who he is. They're very similar players, uh, big, long, fast. And I could see Goody sitting in that being like, man, it'd be pretty cool to have Watson and Thomas Jr. on this team, uh, especially with how aggressive of a quarterback Jordan Love is and how he loves to push the ball down the field. Will they do that? I don't know, but I wouldn't be shocked. And I'll say, I will say this and I'll say it today. I think the two best chances they have at taking a wide receiver in this year's draft class are Brian Thomas Jr. at 25 or Keon Coleman at 41. Cause I think both of those guys at that point, they would have slid probably further than where they should have gone. And they are both, I think going to be very much Packers types. We'll see on the testing. We don't have that yet. Um, but I think that's kind of that's kind of the cutoff. And why take why are you taking a guy on day three that you don't think is any better than Bill Melton? Why are you taking a guy on day three that you don't think is better than Lake Heath? Oh, and by the way, you took a guy named Grant Dubose last year out of Charlotte in the seventh round that you kept all year on the practice squad, who's in my opinion a really nice prospect. I, I liked him a lot coming out of Charlotte. He couldn't make the team last year. So I'm all for, you know, adding competition. And I trust, I, tr I trust Goody and his staff, especially at wide receiver. If they think a guy is good, I'm just going to like Jaden Reed last year, when they took Jaden Reed, I was just like, okay, <laughs> like I, I, he's probably good. He's probably better than I think he is because you guys think he's good. And that's just kind of how they operate. So if they take a guy on day three, um, and they have a – that's the other thing, Sparky. They have a billion day three picks. So they could take a guy and just be like, hey, throw him in the mix. He doesn't make the team. He doesn't make the team. And we'll keep him on the practice squad. Whatever. That's fine. Um, but I, I I just think, man, if they take a guy – so like a guy that I like, a day three guy I like, and this is a name people are going to recognize, is Luke McCaffrey out of, out of Rice. I think he's going to be a Packer type. I think he's going to test like a Packer. But I think he's a day three guy. And I don't know if he's better than Malik Heath or Bo Melton. I don't, but if you add him to the mix, if he makes the team, he, he earned it, you know, he's going to have to earn it. So you, there's something to be excited about. If you're knocking off Melton or Heath, you, you earned it. And, you know, that's just kind of where they're at right now. It's a great spot to be in. Um, and all these guys are young, but the, the other thing, like the devil's advocate part of it too, though, is Malik Heath, like, yeah, nice player, made some nice plays. Jared Boykin was once a guy like that, right? Uh, they've had other guys that it, across the league that come in and you're like, oh, this guy's going to be awesome. He was good as a rookie. And then they kind of fall off. Bo Mellon was on the practice squad all year and was great down the stretch. But he, it was like, I'm talking like a three game stretch. 
you know, guys sometimes do that and then fall off a cliff. So like, you know, I, I don't think we can necessarily just be like, Hey, these guys are locked in because they flashed as rookies. You know, I, I we'll see. And I mean, before, before the playoff run, I was kind of in the camp of like, what does Romeo Dobbs do here? Like, what does he really do? Do we, do you dangle him as trade bait this off season and say like, what are you going to give his reps to Wicks? Now, the playoffs did happen, and he was awesome. He was incredible in the playoffs. So, like, maybe not. Maybe – I mean, he he did stuff in that Dallas playoff game that I didn't know he had in his bag. So, I don't, it's just they have an embarrassment of riches right now at the position. Um, I, live in, I live in Kansas City. I talk a lot to a lot of the Kansas City writers, and they're constantly talking to me like, who's not going to make the team in Green Bay? Because we want to pick that guy up. You know, what is the formula that Green Bay has to just draft these receivers and turn them into stars? Because granted, the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, but that's not necessarily something they were able to do this year. Rasheed Rice was good, but that was about it. And they couldn't just plug in anyone and play them like Green Bay did this year. Oh, and Green Bay, by the way, plugging and playing these young receivers with a first year starter at quarterback. So, uh, you know, melt the. I, I think what you're going to hear a lot this year, Sparky, from me and other, you know, Packers writers is the Melton Heath line. And do you think this guy is better than those two? Because I think those are really the only two guys you can look at and say, are they going to, you know, you're going to have to beat them out because Wicks isn't going anywhere. Dobbs is probably not going anywhere. Reed's definitely not going anywhere. Christian Watson, probably not going anywhere. I know, uh, you know, Andy Herman over at Packaday did like kind of like a, a wacky trade scenario type thing. And Christian is probably probably has the most trade value among this wide receiver group. If you did, you know, let's say if, if Brian Thomas Jr. did fall to 25 and they were like, well, maybe we move on from Christian because Brian Thomas Jr. is we're, we're thinking he's going to be a healthier version of Christian Watson. I would keep both and just say let the other teams have to deal with it. But, um, it, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios. But what we know about the Packers is they usually are just going to say, we'll just take all the guys. We'll just take all the guys and we'll figure it out because that's kind of what they've done in the past. Like, we'll take we'll, – we'll roster seven receivers. And if we think they all can play at a certain at, – at certain points in the year, just like last year, they all did play. You know, Malik Heath started games for this team at points last season. And then by the playoffs, Melton had kind of taken his spot. So, you know, it's a long year. There's a lot of bodies that you need to get through an NFL season. Um, and I think the wide receiver, the wide receiver position is interesting too, Sparky, because it's almost becoming valued increasingly, but at the same time decrease in value. Because it seems like you need to have three, four, five guys that can play in, in, in today's NFL. And a lot of teams have that many guys. And there's a lot of really good receivers out there. Um, but We'll see. The Packers are kind of one of the teams in the NFL that I think you look at them. You know, Minnesota's really good at identifying wide receiver talent. Pittsburgh's really good at it. And I think Green Bay is really good at it. I think those are the three teams you kind of look at and you're like, maybe we steal what they're doing because they got a good formula. I'll be honest. I uh, never crossed my mind to trade a wide receiver at any point this offseason. Um, I've been on the train of, I don't really want a wide receiver in this draft. I'm one of those weirdos that say, just bring everybody back. Let's just play. Uh, but now that you bring it up, um, with two tight ends, like they have, which I'm not sure who else in the NFL have two tight ends, like what they're probably going to have here. Um, and what you're able to do with those two tight end sets, 
you may not need as much a wide receiver as some of these other teams have to have. Just go back in. And I'm not saying they're Gronkowski and Hernandez, but two dueling type tight ends that can be impact players down the field at the same time. I mean, trading a Watson or a Dobbs or something along those lines, you know, if you can, if like you go back to what you said, I think it makes sense. If you were able to get Thomas out of LSU and then all of a sudden say the Chiefs at the end of one, you know, we're willing to give you that pick at the end of the first round for Christian Watson and you get a one for Christian Watson, essentially you upgrade for a guy that can't stay in the field and can't stay healthy. And now you're able to take, you know, I don't know, the top safety at that point. Uh, depending on who is left at that point, if there's a safety that you want, in addition to, you know, helping your defense, you get the player that you may have taken at 25 at 32. Uh, and you still get a wide receiver that, like you said, is more healthy. I just, I can't see them trading their wide receivers or tight ends at this point, even though they have a lot of depth, I would be shocked if Goody moved on, especially after all this stuff from the floor about, oh, we're going to do all this extensive work on making sure we can figure out what the problem with Christian Watson's hamstrings are, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. After all that talk from the floor, I would be stunned if they traded anybody from that wide receiver core at this point. Yeah, I mean, so, and we're we're talking hypotheticals, right? Like, I would be shocked, because the other thing is they're cheap. They're all cheap right now. And so, if you were to trade a a Dobbs or a Watson, you probably would do it going into a contract year, not with two years left on their rookie deal. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It just doesn't yeah. unless some, in, unless Kansas city or someone comes in and I don't think they would. Although Christian Watson torched Kansas city, they might have that lasting memory in their Christian head. Watson and, and uh, rice out there together, man. I hope that doesn't happen just because that seems unfair. Mahomes <laughs> would go everyone. nuts. Yeah. And, but that would be at least something you would have to consider is like, man, 32, who could we get? Who's on the board? Um, I probably still wouldn't. I mean, you, you trade you drafted Christian at 34 two years ago. So it's kind of what if like it's what about this? What if it's Indy at 15? Oh, 15th overall pick for Christian Watson. I mean, there's no way they do that, but. I, I mean, well, they, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman's a free agent. Now everybody they're assumes they're going to everybody. They're right. Sure. Yeah. But he's not, he's not, uh, uh, in my opinion, and cause I'm a Colts fan too. He's not a, a game changer, nothing like that. He's a nice number one, but he doesn't have elite type stuff. Like Watson seems to possess in his body at this point. If Watson can stay healthy, he's going to be a better player in my opinion than Pittman at the end of the day. Oh, I think so. Yeah. And I think anyone, you look at the high level stuff that Christian Watson's done. And that's, that's the exciting stuff. If you, if I'm Indianapolis and if I'm like, Hey, can we guarantee that Christian Watson's going to be healthy? Then maybe you dangle that 15th pick. Maybe I still don't think they would, but he hasn't stayed healthy. You know, I'm, I'm as big of a Christian Watson fan as anyone, but he, they need to fix that. They need to figure that out because it would be one thing if he was getting hurt and not doing Jack squat when he's on the field, but it's the opposite. He's getting hurt and being a being a I mean, he's he's a top eight type receiver in this league yes. when he's healthy. And I don't think people I think people need to recognize that like they do need to figure this out uh, because he is that number one type guy that they can run the offense through. And then you talk about, man, you know, Christian is Christian is kind of the deep decoy sometimes that they hit. He can do the middle of the field stuff, but. Man, and that Dallas, that Dallas game is a great example of, I think it was one of the very first plays of the game. Christian has three guys go with him. 
And then Romeo is just wide open on the Dallas Cowboys star. Like that's, that's what he brings to this offense. And then you talk about the tight ends work in the middle of the field. Holy cow. I mean, you can daydream until the cows come home about this offense because they have, they have every, every which way to beat a team. And let me tell you something here, because this is my, this is my fever dream. So there's a guy named Malachi Corley out of Western Kentucky. Yep. He's not quite a Packers type. He's a little bit short. They like him to be at least 5'11". He's like 5'10"-ish. But he's built like a running back. And he can play running back. He can also run routes and play receiver. He calls himself like the yak god or something like that. On And he is. Like he can't think, think small school Debo Samuel. Like that's, that is how he's. Debo was more refined coming out of South Carolina than Malachi Corley is like, don't get that twisted, but I'm just daydreaming of 12 personnel. So you have Musgrave and Kraft on the field. You have Christian out wide. You have Wicks or Dobbs or Reed on the other side. And then you have Malachi Corley lined up in the backfield and he's good enough as a runner that you can just turn around and hand the ball off to him. Cause you're going to get light boxes in this look, or maybe, I don't know. The defense is going to have to decide. You can kind of just pick and choose what you want to do. Hand the ball off to him. Take your six yards. Cool. Split them out wide. Put them in the slot. You know, depending on whatever the defense is doing. When If this offense wants to play multiple and they want to be able to just dictate the game in any way that they want, take Malachi Corley out of Western Kentucky and see kind of the fun stuff that Matt LaFleur would do with that guy in this offense. And, and that's the other thing. Bring it back to the wide receiver conversation. Take a guy that you don't have. You know, this group has got about everybody, but they don't have a guy like that. Jaden Reed a little bit could probably do that a little bit, but Jaden Reed is a buck 95 soaking wet. Corley is a legit 215, 220. And he is, I mean, that's bigger than Aaron Jones. So that gets me excited. And he's a guy that, and, he, and also Sparky, they have five picks in the top 100. Take something that doesn't make sense. Just funny money. Right. Like go make a pick that everyone's going to go like, why did you do that? And be like, "Mm, because he's good. Because it's going to be cool. Like do that. Like I want to see at least one pick that is not conventional. That is. And it could be a running back, too. You know, like taking a running back in the top 100 when you have Aaron Jones. Like I think a lot of us that watch this team understand they need a running back, too. But uh, go get one. Just have fun with something. Yeah, yeah, I want the kid out of Oregon. That's who I want. And I don't get a damn if you take him. I don't care if you take him in the second round. That's who I'm, yeah. Bucky Irving. That's Bucky who I Irving, want. Yeah. I, I, I am not messing around. That's who I want. I watched Period. him yesterday. End of story. That dude is a stud, man. I, so I, I got done watching him and immediately went to the, the draft chat and said, like, Bucky Irving is a top five, like, most fun watch in this year's draft. Yes. And if you want – and that, that was the – you got to talk about the running backs and like with Dylan and Jones, they're like, Oh man, you know, thunder and lightning. We got to have that thunder and lightning. You know, what's better than thunder and lightning, like two Aaron Jones, <laughs> like, just give me two of those guys. And you Come watch on. Bucky Irvin. And that is, that's who he reminds me of. He's just a pinball. He's got, cause Aaron Jones is a smaller guy and he's got like, it cracks me up. It, it reminds me of like Jamal Charles when he was in the league too. Cause both slider frame guys, and it just looks like, like looks like a bobblehead, just like running through and not being able to get tackled, bouncing off guys. That's Bucky Irving. I think Bucky Irving, though, is a better receiver out of the backfield than Aaron Jones is. So he would be a fun, fun player for this year's uh, next year's team, too. 
Yeah, I'd love to see him in the second round. I absolutely would. Uh, let's have Sue and see how this whole thing plays out. Jacob Morley, he is a writer for the Packer Report. Of course, check him on the Packer Day podcast as well. Follow him on Twitter at Jacob Morley. That'll do it for another edition of Curtin Long. Download it on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Also on YouTube with the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. We live stream these bad boys most of the time. Like, subscribe, follow, hit the bell for notifications, all that fun stuff. Jacob, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Sparky. Talk to you next time.